Missouri lawmakers are now halfway to the finish line in this legislative session. Next seven weeks will be chock full of discussions on important issues affecting the future of the state, major cut to income taxes, a budget that could include deep cuts to K-12 and higher education, bills that affect consumers and organized labor and guns. So why can't anyone talk about anything but the indictment of Governor Eric Greitens? Case in point, this week's episode of Statehouse Blend, Missouri. I'm Brian Ellison. I was in Jefferson City the night of the State of the State Address this year. That's when Governor Greitens rolled out his plan for what he called the boldest state tax reform plan in America. Strangely, he didn't say much else in that speech. And I remember the buzz in the building about why that was. Rumors that were confirmed about two hours later that the governor had admitted to an affair before his election. And ever since, that story has been the subtext of every other story out of the Capitol. Stories about blackmail, stories about transparency and campaign finance, stories about gubernatorial appointments, and stories about the bills and budgets that senators and representatives have nevertheless continued to work on day after day. This week, we're setting out to give Missouri a midterm exam. And we're doing that with some of the journalists who have been trying to tell that story since that fateful night in January. Joining us to unpack this legislative session so far and take a look ahead are Erica Hunzinger from KCUR, one of our editors here. Hi, Erica. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. Uh, Brian Lowry of the Kansas City Star and a friend of the podcast. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me back. We're always glad you're here. And joining us for the first time, Elisa Nelson, uh, host and reporter at Missouri Net. Hi, Elisa. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It would be hard to start with any other story than uh, than Governor Eric Greitens. He is under indictment uh, out of the uh, St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office uh, on a charge of felony invasion of privacy. He's under investigation by a committee of the House of Representatives uh, that could lead to impeachment. He's under other investigations, or at least the charity he uh, founded or his campaign and their use of a donor list from that charity uh, by the Attorney General's office. All of that to say... It's hard to find a, a topic uh, that does not somehow have an impact from the Greitens investigations so far this year. Uh, and that's actually the question I want to start with for all of you. What impact do you think these investigations are having on the the work of the state, the work of the General Assembly, the, the, the average Missourian right now? Uh, does it matter what's happening in all of these investigations of Governor Greitens? It absolutely matters. It makes it very difficult for lawmakers to get any oxygen for any other issues. But it's Greitens is what has consumed us. And when you talk about Josh Hawley, because as you know, I'm covering a lot of the U.S. Senate race. It always brings you back to Greitens because if you talk about what Hawley's office is doing, well – most of their time has been either investigating Greitens or defending the previous investigation they did of Greitens, which found no wrongdoing. So, you know, the stakes are high here because we, you know, this is, well, this is old hat for Illinois. For Missouri, this is somewhat <laughs> new to have a governor facing a criminal trial and facing an investigation which could be the first step towards impeachment. Yeah, I mean, Erica, you uh, prior to being at KCUR, you were a politics editor at St. Louis Public Radio Correct. where you did cover Illinois. We did have to do Illinois. And then for five years before that, we also had Illinois uh, as part of the AP. And so, you know, Bogoyevich is – it was all right there when he went to went to prison and all that. So good does this stuff. feel familiar or is this like uncharted territory? This feels this feels a little different in that we're looking at essentially a revenge porn statute, at least from I don't know, from a woman's standpoint. I just really want to stress the angle of consent. 
and and the role that consent's playing, especially in a time of Me Too. I mean, we all the discussions around the allegations, you know, is that he allegedly took a picture of of this woman without her consent, but at the very core of this story, the story came out without her right. consent yeah. entirely. So and, and I think that, that there are some yeah. some conversations that are happening outside of just what's what is it doing to the legislature, but it's happening within the legislature too, of just where do we stand as a culture on this, and especially in the state of Missouri? Well, keep in mind, this was supposed to be the session about Eric Greitens' tax cuts. He was going to—Missouri was going to have the boldest tax plan in America. Boldest tax reform plan I can tell you there's another state nearby that, that tried that. <laughs> um, but— you know that was that was the centerpiece well, of and, his, and that was the talk of the state yeah. for about ninety minutes right. yeah. uh, that, after the state that of was the state a, address. Yeah, it was the centerpiece yeah. of his state of the state address, and that tax plan is going nowhere now. Partly that's because it's really more of a tax shift than a tax cut, and so I think there are many Republican lawmakers who just look at this plan on the on its face and don't like it. But the governor's negotiating power, you know, when he goes to he, he they're trying to keep his public events basically private nowadays so that reporters don't get up there and ask him about the indictment. Right. And I and just to explain to listeners how to what form that takes, we get press releases rather than before an event happens inviting us to come. We're getting press releases announcing an event that already happened, complete with pictures and quotes from the governor, as though that was would be a story that we would we would run. And <laughs> I was not I was works. even told not to go to an event because it wasn't an event and then they put a press release about it the next day. I want to circle back to something you said a minute ago, Brian, about the impact of all of this on Josh Hawley's campaign for the U.S. Senate. Um, I've been struck by that as well. It's sort of a perfect storm, worst case scenario for him. Uh, This is the one thing he most did not want or need in his campaign uh, for for the Senate is to be caught up in a state politics uh, story that could really could really undermine him. I mean, uh, already it's clear that he doesn't want Greitens campaigning for him and that that is a, a big loss uh, to what I think he would have anticipated 10 months ago when he was thinking about getting into this race. Uh, Erica, do you do you feel like Holly can climb out of this or is this uh, is this just a mess he's not going to be able to escape? He's going to be dogged by these questions pretty much any time he's in front of the press. Brian and I were both there when he relaunched the campaign, so to speak. And every question, there was one about Trump because Trump was getting ready to show up. But every question was about Greitens. It was about the confide investigation. It was about why are you not coming with us? And I, you the, know, the I, confide app is the, uh, the the text self-destructing text messages app that that members of the governor's staff were using that Hawley investigated, his office did, uh, and could not find evidence of wrongdoing, which is not the same thing as clearing him of wrongdoing. Well, correct. And they and they also are saying that they want to have subpoena power in this, and that's why they the investigation could have been more intense, so to speak. But he's also striking the same tones in in his stump speeches as Greitens took when he was running for for it too so there's kind of a comparison there that that he's not really setting himself apart from a rhetorical standpoint either i want a prediction it's the midterms this is what we do on this show when we bring reporters together what's going to happen give me a sense of where you think this goes whether it's the house investigation or the uh, criminal investigation we know the trial is set for uh, may uh, the the Legislative session ends in May. We'll have answers to these questions soon enough. Elisa Nelson, give us a prediction. What's going to happen with Governor Eric Greitens? The governor isn't making um, as many friends as you think he would in his own party. So with that said, 
I think there will be members of his own party that will um, vote um, to maybe impeach him. But how far that goes, I, I just don't know. So can can he be? Imp- I know he can be impeached if he's not convicted, but do you think that is a realistic possibility? Brian Lowry, uh, the conviction does not seem like a sure thing to me by any means. Yeah, this is a pretty tough case for prosecutors uh, to prove. It it does hinge on this idea that Greitens took a photograph. And one thing that came out at a hearing a few weeks ago is that prosecutors do not have possession of this uh, photograph. Now, um, they said at that point that they plan to get it. One of the private investigators that was hired by prosecutors was deposed and in his uh, deposition said that, you know, he had not talked to anyone who had seen the photograph. So proving the existence of the photograph is going to be a challenge. You know, it's tough for me right now to read the tea leaves on how this will all shake out, but it's possible that Greitens won't be convicted and won't be impeached, but will still suffer a big defeat politically because of the amount of dirty laundry that gets aired, which which will hurt Republicans down ballot. Right, which in a way has already happened, in fact, by no matter how this turns out. Although I I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a real risk, Erica, that he, that he will not be convicted, a risk to the, to the prosecutor and to the Democrats who have been sort of calling for his resignation and that, that he won't be convicted. And I think that will be the grounds that the uh, five to two majority of the House investigating committee would would need to the, the Republicans on that committee to go ahead and decide not to impeach either. Maybe they bring a recommendation to censure or or uh, reprimand the governor somehow. Well, I, I mean, I can't speak to that because, uh, you know, I don't it's know how their committees pure work. Pure speculation. It's pure speculation. The one thing that I will say is this entire situation is bringing out an untangling of the dark money controversy that's been happening ever since Greitens got into office last year. The Huffington Post had a piece last week about Nick Ayers, who helped Greitens' gubernatorial campaign, the nonprofit that advocates for Greitens' policies. You know, the guy who runs that is is an associate of Nick Ayers, who Ayers is now with Pence. In that piece, they were pulling on threads showing where the money is starting to come from. And that's something that I've kind of I have this weird web on my desk, like trying to figure out where where the cash is coming from. And all of these investigations are the prime place for it to come out. And it's all kind of stemming from the Mission Continues, which was the the military veteran one way before Greitens started. And the question is, does any of this um, matter in terms of legislation? So, yes, it seems evident that Democrats uh, have have gotten what they might have wanted in terms of reducing the, the governor's political prospects or his political influence. But the fact is the governor wasn't the, the, the one who could ram things through the General Assembly anyway. There's a super majority of Republicans who control the House and the Senate in Missouri, uh, have for years before this, very likely still will after the upcoming elections. Um, OK, Democrats won a political battle here, but do they actually have any more influence on legislation and the direction of Missouri uh, law than they had before? Uh, it's, it seems to me that they are still in a in a very weak position, um, which leads me to the question, you know, what can we expect or what has happened in this session? Is there anything that, that Democrats can point to as a success? Uh, what are Republicans pointing to as a success quite apart from what's happening with their governor? Sometimes not getting certain measures through that tend to be offensive to Democrats, you know, any sort of labor type of measures that reduces the power of, of unions, any sort of, like, uh, human rights-related stuff, 
if, if that kind of stuff doesn't get through, those are victories to Democrats, of course. I think you're not going to see much on K-12 through education this session. On the other hand, the other part of education that I think um, is getting a lot of attention, and it should, is with um, higher education and the cuts that the governor has proposed. And lawmakers are looking to try and restore some of those cuts. That may be one of the most interesting storylines of uh, the session is just that those cuts he asked for uh, for higher education just – like the budget chair, every you know prominent Republican who was involved in the issue just said, "No, we're not doing this." Right. So that could be, you know, this could be one of the more significant developments of the session that you see that boomerang where this starts to be a year where Missouri. I don't know if they'll start investing in higher education again, but they will at least stop cutting from higher education. Uh, a couple other interesting bills. I mean, I don't really think there have been. Really enough, there have been really opportunities for big storylines to emerge yet. But, uh, you know, Hawley is, is actually pushing some transparency uh, legislation. The fact that he can kind of try to strengthen the state sunshine laws, that could be significant. Oh, yeah. I want to tag on to that because I think it's ironic that um, so the, the sunshine law type of proposed changes uh, that the attorney general is proposing, let's say it makes it all the way to the finish line, then who has to sign <laughs> off on it? Do you think he's going to do that? I, I, it, would be, it would be interesting. It certainly would be interesting. Erica? What strikes me is that there's kind of a lack of movement of bills to Greitens' desk because at this time last year, we already had right to work signed. You know, I mean, they were it seemed to me that the Republicans had more of a very strong agenda and said, we've got this governor behind us. We're going to move it and and let's go forward now. Did It did slow down a little bit. And kind of at this time last year, we were looking at it going, man, they haven't moved a lot of bills. Is this going to be like the least amount ever signed ever? You know, so that always kind of changes in the second half. There's always kind of a race to the end. And a lot of those kind of social um, or, or more of the things that the Democrats are, are worried about, those things tend to show up later in the session anyways right. and get pushed through at the last minute. So I would say that, you know, maybe there's a chance that they'll have some wins in the fact that they'll get some of these things stopped. But you never really know. There, There is some momentum around the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act that's been introduced in each of the last, I don't know, 17 years or something. But but there is some some interest on a bipartisan basis in it this year. Uh, there there was an effort to revisit the, uh, the, the bill last year that uh, made it harder to sue for employment discrimination, um, including from some Republicans who are saying that may have had unintended consequences on, on Missouri business. Um, so there are some Democratic-led efforts on what we might call social issues issues uh, that have some momentum, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not – I'm uh, in, the, in an election year, it does seem to me that, that you could see a race to the finish line in that last week of the session or you could see a giant log jam that ends with not much happening. I think one of the um, issues that it seems like is, is, is a really big deal this session is trying to find a solution for funding for transportation. Yes. I mean, there's just growing support. I don't know that there, you know, I, there have been a couple of proposals to increase the gas tax, and in previous years that just, you know, that hasn't had the consensus that it needs, but this could be the year, and that could be 
a huge victory for the legislature if they're able to pass a, a gas tax. You know, I, I made a prediction in our legislative preview show that this would be the year that gas tax proposals went as far as they've ever gone in recent memory, but they still would fall short. I actually am going to change that prediction today to say I think there will be a tax increase, the gas tax, on the on the ballot in November. Do you think it can pass if it gets to the people? <laughs> well, that's a great <laughs> I want you to make that prediction now. Yes. Yes, I do. I think uh, – but only if it has a, a, a bipartisan uh, sort of push uh, from, from Republicans, which some, some clearly are ready to support it. We'll see how enthusiastic their support is as, as an election day approaches. But it's a good question. It's a fair question. Um, uh, before we go, uh, I want to ask uh, for one more uh, big prediction you have about legislation coming out of this session. Brian Lowry. I can tell you what would be very interesting to happen. <laughs> I wouldn't want to happen, which is for the ethics reform fight to reignite in the you know I don't know that that will, but I could see I could see Mr. Schaff or Dr. Schaff rather from uh, uh, Saint Joseph uh, Senator taking a run Rob at Schaff, that. Yeah. Republican from Saint yeah. Joe in his last year. In his office. last year, it's his YOLO year. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's. You know, what better time than now to bring back the questions about, uh, you know, ethics reform in Missouri than when you have the governor facing uh, all of these subpoenas <laughs> related to his staff and dark money? One prediction, Erica Hunzinger? My real job is running an agriculture-based collaborative for public radio stations. So as the ag journal in the room, I think I'm going to give some path to the industrial hemp bill. Versions have passed in the House and Senate. Missouri is not alone in trying to get industrial hemp passed. Kansas is trying to do it, too, this year. And obviously, Missouri is not the vanguard. There's, you know, dozens of states that have already done this. It's a way to get another specialty crop for farmers out there even. And it's not going to change the fact that, like, crop prices are really bad this year and they're not going to pick up industrial hemp. And holy, we've solved everything. But, you know, it's also a source for CBD and that's pushed as a medical alternative for a lot of things. And once you have CBD, that pushes you towards medical marijuana a little bit. So I think the tides are changing in Missouri. And I do think an industrial hemp bill will actually get to the governor's desk. Elisa Nelson, one prediction. Where do I? One? <laughs> that's all I get. I'll, okay. give, you, I'll give you two. Two predictions. <laughs> The budget. <laughs> That's we, we will pass a budget. Way to go. That is bold. After that, I don't know. No, but, um, you know, I would say I, I do think that there's a huge push to try and um, for more efforts on rural broadband access. Uh, so I'm going to go off of what Erica was just talking about. With it. This is huge for agriculture. Rural broadband access is huge. There's been a push at the state and federal level from our elected officials. And I think Missouri ranks like 40th in the nation or something with access to rural broadband. That's awful, you know. And so and it affects, it trickles down to businesses and, and how they can um, be efficient or not efficient with uh, lack of access. I think there's a lot of talk about that, but whether it gets caught up and, and everything else, um, I don't know. 
I don't know. Missouri, Missouri certainly isn't alone in trying to push for rural broadband, too. I mean, you, you've got Illinois, you've got Kansas looking at it, and you have President Trump and the Agriculture Secretary for the, the United States even trying to push this. The key is funding. And Greitens has mentioned this in, in a release that they did where they said, you know, we want to have these rural initiatives. We want to help with funding for it. But when I asked the spokesman, you know, hey— Where's the funding for this got to come from? It's got to come from the legislature. You know, this is just these are these are proposals being put out without a whole lot of funding behind them. So, you know, bills in the legislature that could fund it is one thing. But kind of the goodwill and wanting to put this out there. Broadband is very expensive to to expand in rural areas and you have to have the money behind it. Uh, Absolutely. I'm going to make a prediction uh, that I think will make some people pretty angry. Uh, I, I believe that the Missouri General Assembly will pass legislation that uh, actually loosens gun laws, uh, even in light of the protests happening around the country, even in light of the school shootings, perhaps eliminating gun-free zones, efforts to arm teachers more proactively. I think those will pass in this year's General Assembly. I think you're probably right on that. And I think, you're, I think you could make that same prediction for Kansas. There's actually kind of, I think, effect in states, conservative states, when there is a big national effort towards, for lack of a better phrase, gun control or gun or or gun reform, tends to have the effect of it puts the topic out there and the gun rights advocates tend to want to get things done. Right. I, you know, I think... Uh, Just like gun sales also go up. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I mean, I think there's a good chance that uh, in the Kansas City region that we could see both states, um, you know, loosen gun laws a little bit more. That's Brian Lowry. He's lead political reporter for the Kansas City Star. Elisa Nelson works with Missouri Net as a reporter and anchor. And Erica Hunzinger of KCUR's Harvest Public Media and uh, one of our editors here at the station. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Statehouse Blend Missouri is a production of KCUR. Matt Hodat produces the show. For Missouri politics news all week long, follow me on Twitter at PTSBrian. If you're in the Kansas City area, we hope you'll join us on Thursday, April 19th for a live taping of Statehouse Blend. We'll be talking about guns and gun policy in the state with legislators. We're doing that at the Buffalo Room at Westport Flea Market. You can get more information online at kcur.org slash statehouseblend. And I hope you can be there. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.